You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordic region. I'm Dan Mychek, I help companies connect with the best tech talent, and I'm your host. Today, I'm joined by Anka, Carl and Vipab to discuss how to manage a culture change as a team grows. Before we delve deeper into the topic, I'll work my way around the room with some introductions. So Anka, do you want to kick us off? Hello, everyone. My name is Anka Jordanescu. I'm working at uh, IKEA Inca Retail Digital, and I am uh, leading an area called physical, multi- uh, physical meeting points of stores of the future. So I'm responsible to change the technology in our IKEA stores. Next. Perfect. Uh, and Carl, we'll come to you next. Hi, my name is Andrea Helsvig. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, I work as the head of supply chain in Telia, Norway, and responsible for uh, supply chain operation of uh, consumer electronics. Um, I have a team located both in Norway and Lithuania, and um, our supply chain leader team is located in seven countries, uh, all countries where Telia has a footprint. I have worked as a manager uh, more than 20 years and heading teams from three to four up to 15, 20 persons. Perfect. And Vibab, last but not least, we'll come to you. Yeah, hi, everyone. This is Vibab here. Uh, I recently used to run product for Klarna in the payment methods domain, focused largely on US markets uh, in the BNPL uh, industry. And prior to that, I used to be a product manager and a fintech entrepreneur uh, back here in Asia. Uh, and I love obviously building teams and building products that creates impact at scale. Perfect. Thanks, guys. So now that we've established a bit of context to each of you, we'll move on to the topic in focus. So you all have a question or statement on how to manage a culture change as a team grows. And as usual, I'll work my way around the room asking each of you to pose your questions and the reasons behind it. So each of you have the opportunity to give your take on the situation. So we'll kick off today's podcast with Vipov, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think uh, uh, one of the key things that we wanted to talk about was that how does uh, the culture scale as the team grows? Um, so I think if you delve deep into this topic, uh, one of the atomic units of culture is basically trust. Um, and the atomic unit of an organization is people. Eventually, it comes down to how do you scale trust as you scale people and then the relationship between them. Uh, so I believe uh, there are a lot of ways in which we can start building out trust at scale as a company grows from one to 10 to 100, eventually from a startup to a scale up and then a big tech organization. Uh, the first one is uh, is having a shared vision and mission for the company. A lot of the, a lot of the companies today obviously have a proven mission which helps impact uh, uh, creates impact at scale, and this is the best way to create trust among all the people who work for a company so that they have a shared ambition to achieve what the company is trying to achieve. The second uh, is transparency. How do you create transparency at scale within a company? I think this is largely done uh, through creating the right set of decision-making tools and, and communication as you invest in the various processes. Uh, and, and key examples of that would be, let's say, Google has adopted the approach of OKRs. Uh, which creates transparency in terms of decision-making, what each team is working on, what are the key results, and how it creates impact uh, in a very quantitative way. Um, obviously, we all know about the six-pager format from Amazon. Uh, even Klarna, obviously, is very big on written uh, culture of communication, uh, using pre-reads for each and every meeting, and, and uh, sharing all documents and data in a very transparent way. 
And uh, I think the third aspect of how to create uh, impact uh, from a culture perspective is, I think, very atomic units of execution at a team level. As a culture in, in, a, in a company grows and as a team grows, teams can often become very bloated. Uh, they lack of communication uh, or investing in process and tools. The best way to uh, can retain culture is to have very small atomic units of uh, team, especially not more than seven to eight people uh, in a very multi-competency model. And I think these, uh, by doing that, I think uh, the, the culture of a startup in a scale-up is still preserved. Uh, again, I think the best examples is, let's say, Amazon likes to focus on uh, on eight-member pizza team. Uh, even Klarna has a has a focus on team uh, groups who are big on accountability and ownership and, and own the entire problem space and solution space. And the leaders act as CEOs uh, of that small startup. Um, and uh, I think Spotify obviously pioneered the model of squad, uh, you can say, uh, and, and how do you scale culture uh, with that? Uh, and the fourth aspect is that how do you retain uh, the culture at a team level? I think that's where uh, the rituals come into picture. How do you build the right rituals within a team, uh, which help create empathy and emotion for each other as a team member? Um, and uh, I think I like uh, the focus on rituals, which uh, uh, help you get a nerve uh, of uh, people uh, in, in a team by asking for how they're feeling today, uh, the emotions, whether they're angry, sad, excited, uh, empathetic. Uh, and and uh, there are a lot of rituals that I can talk about, obviously, uh, which is very, very specific to each company and the culture. Uh, so I think that's uh, largely it uh, from my side. I would love to hear your thoughts. Quite, quite many good uh, questions. I can come with some reflection that I'm not sure if I have answers, but we can have discussions on this, I think, regarding um, regarding, I think the thing you mentioned regarding transparency is really key, uh, key part here uh, for a good team culture development to encourage to have uh, not only the communication go uh, through the uh, manager, but uh, between the team and in the in the uh, be, uh, between the teams, that's really, really important. So to to encourage and have tools in order, order to uh, facilitate for good transparency and uh, find the best tools in the different uh, um, uh, stages where the teams are and dependent on the projects and activities and everything. So uh, we have really good experience using, of course, uh, teams uh, for uh, for for uh, activities where there are really, really uh, a need for fast communication. And uh, I have a team working both in Norway and also in Lithuania. And then we need to have really, really uh, uh, act as we are sitting together. So that is uh, that has been working quite good for us. Um, but uh, um, regarding the um, the scale up versus uh, this uh, uh, startup, I think there are some general principles that can apply for both. I think uh, and most likely in the startup, uh, the different roles in the team will be very uh, or more unclear, and also there will be a lack of structured processes. Um, I, I would say that having a clear mission and vision, as you also stated, would be very, very important in, 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 in both. But uh, in a scale-up, there will be perhaps more focus uh, 
on on the on the structure in the team and and to work on the uh, who is doing what and and that part because that will be more chaotic I guess in the startup. Um, so that was some some reflections from my side. So. And if I can jump in a little bit, I'm talking on transparency and communication because I, I really, what I have experienced and what we have experienced is that how you balance communication when you change culture. So for me, what I could have seen is we were balancing between a no communication or very little limited into you know, when, you change color in, when you change culture into an over flood of communication. And that for me, you finding the balance on the way, it was it, it's a difficult thing. So, how did you find the balance in in Klarna, for example? Because still we are now finding our ways, the clarity and what we communicate, when we communicate, the tone of voice we communicate. So how you how did you manage to keep this balance? I'm sure if you have an answer, but again for me it came from very structured communication into a very unstructured, we want to keep people engaged, we want to tell, tell them what we are doing, but it's too much, so words are just going through. Did you find that balance? I yeah, I think I think it's a very interesting, uh, you can say, uh, take on this, uh, how to find the right balance uh, in communication as you scale up. Um, I think at Lana, uh, the organization is split into various domains, which have uh, various groups, and then the groups have multiple teams. So I think from a communication perspective, also we can uh, we can identify units of communication at each level. So at a team level, uh, the communication happens in form of practicals, uh, daily uh, standups, uh, and demos, uh, and then you can say weekly or biweekly uh, dinners together, by which you are able to share both formal and informal communication among the team members. Uh, then obviously at a group level, then at domain level, the domain invests in a lot of communication, largely through emails, uh, in, in through in person. Uh, the leaders of group, as well as uh, through Slack messages uh, and creating a lot of, you can say, uh, quarterly uh, parties to get the people together. And obviously then the communication which happens between the CXOs and the, the domain leads. This communication process is, you can say, bi-directional. It, uh, it happens from the from the CXOs, uh, the teams, and then again, feedback again goes, goes from teams to them. So I think it's important to have that uh, sort of a uh, by way communication going on so that uh, the feedback cycle is complete and, and everybody is uh, online with the, with the mission of the company. What we also tried to change in this cultural change was, you know, actually in encouraging our engineers to be part of this communication. So meaning in this top-down communications where you talk about leaders, you know, coming and communicate, actually we wanted to include these people from engineer to come and present and share and uh, that was very well, uh, well received from the teams. And also putting them, of course, this was before the COVID times when we were in the offices. Engage this, we had we have in IKEA, we have a, a stairs, Trappa is called in Swedish, where people can come, it's like a speaker's corner in Hyde Park. People are just coming and they can talk, pick up a topic and speak about what they think, what they dream and what they have achieved, which was really also encouraging this change in culture in you know, like empowerment of the people. So uh, that's something that I'm proud that we did at, the, at our at our place. I think that will, these were very useful. Uh, you can say thoughts from your side. And it also helps if the company is, uh, you can say, very flat, not hierarchical. It helps in, you can say, very uh, auspicious-driven communication process. Uh, and and uh, in, 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 a, in today's setup where it, it's hybrid, both in-person as well as remote, we are facing challenges how to communicate better. 
in the remote, obviously, there's a lot of focus on written communication. Uh, in a hybrid setting, obviously, you can do a lot of oral communication also uh, together. But I think these are very interesting times uh, for everyone. So I think the second question, uh, if I might go, was what are the key rituals that you use at a team level to, uh, to I can say, help retain the culture? Uh, so I think some of the rituals that I know of is the first, uh, which is used by a lot of companies, is getting the pulse uh, of, of the team members when you start a meeting, uh, asking everyone, let's say, through a, through, through a, uh, through a tool, uh, how are they feeling in terms of the emotions, uh, angry, sad, uh, well, uh, etc which helps create an emotional empathy towards uh, towards everyone and then starting the, the agenda of the meeting. Uh, the second ritual which I uh, thought was well was that if you take a decision in a group, then you start out by by opening the voting to everyone in an anonymized way. So that everybody votes uh, on that topic. And then you open up the results to see uh, what the decision taking because it allows everybody to have a seat on the table and, and does not, you can say, uh, not make sure that they don't conform to a group thing, et cetera. Uh, so I think these were uh, there are a lot more rituals which are adopted by a lot of companies across the world, uh, and would love to know obviously what rituals do you you can say follow uh, in your teams. I would say it's uh, quite uh, uh, this this uh, Intel also how this uh, people uh, pulse uh, which uh, catched uh, catched um, engagement and and uh, collaboration and and also well being and and quite a lot of metrics that are measured uh, on all the employees and that is uh, as a foundation for for uh, quite uh, much follow up and and work in the teams uh, so that is uh, that is uh, a throughout the year process and it's really really important uh, uh, a measurement and uh, actions taken from that and uh, um, one of the key one of the key uh, um, targets is to is to really get uh, engagement uh, going, and that is that is uh, uh, that is really really uh, uh, what 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 is uh, trying to achieve the uh, achieved in the organization. Um, but of course, there are. Uh, in addition, as I guess in, in most of the campuses, also this uh, uh, frequent uh, check-ins, both with the teams and also with the individual one-to-one, -one, um, to um, have uh, direct talks about uh, uh, development and goals and and uh, and uh, and uh, uh, all the all the uh, uh, the most important stuff that are on the on the table at the moment. Um, uh, speaking of rituals, of course, it's. I think it's also building a culture is also to have uh, other stuff than talking about development and and, uh, and plans and 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 work. So it's also we have quite many uh, other rituals like uh, uh, rewards and nominations uh, for people being, people being a kind of a role model. And are inspiring to the other team members, so that is that is also um, a frequent uh, uh, ritual. Uh, ritual, sorry. Um, um, for example, also nomination of employee of uh, nomination of employee that uh, has been performing very good through a month or something like that, and 
that also are uh, rituals that builds uh, culture, I would say. Uh, and of course, also the more fun stuff like social gatherings, like uh, dinner together and Christmas gatherings, celebrating birthday, jubilees, and uh, celebration when, when there has been some great achievements. Um, and uh, so there are a lot of, uh, on uh, different levels, I would say, to build build a good culture. So, yeah. And I fully, I, I really like what you are implementing and the measures. Uh, what we also have tried, except, you know, the whole metrics around the team on how they perform and how they develop, was really to measure two things. Was one through monthly surveys or bi-monthly surveys about uh, the change management. How do you perceive? How is the trust in your team? How is your how you work with your team? So more to kind of a health check of the organization, which we run it uh, bi-monthly, as I said. But then another one, we were we are looking into, still we are not there, we are looking to implement what I can, I call it a measurement of how, how many mistakes you have made and actually celebrate the making mistakes. And not just because you made mistakes, but actually how fast have you failed, how much have you learned and how do we, how did you, how, how you move forward. And that's something that really, actually, when you celebrate this blameless post-mortem, is making you are creating this trust that I can fail and nothing, you know, it's not bad. It's really important is that I can fail cheap and I can move forward and I can learn uh, fast. Uh, so for me, that's really important to see the health of the of the team. And of course, uh, you know, the the way the behavior change in the team, when you see that the trust is engaged, is there and you are okay. It's okay to challenge in the team. It's it actually it's a very good measurement to see. I think that was really good what you said about uh, uh, that you are expressing what what you have not not all the successes but all, also the failures because I think that will build up a culture of uh, people being confident and uh, have uh, that it's okay to do failures and it's also. Uh, building trust and uh, it it gives a better uh, psychological psychological safety I would say uh, to have this on the on the on the focus uh, because uh, it can uh, be easy to just uh, focus on the success stories and uh, what uh, the individual have performed but this this is a this is a really good uh, thing so. Yeah, great. Yeah, I think I concur the same. I think it's a good ritual to celebrate both the wins and, and, the, and the losses uh, and make sure that you work as a team. Uh, great, I think we can proceed uh, ahead. Uh. Perfect, thanks guys. Uh, Carl, we'll come to you next. Yes, um, yeah. My experience uh, is that manage managers uh, are important facilitators for creating a good team culture. And uh, of course, as a manager, you need to be aware of the group dy dynamic that will change when there are changes in the team. Um, and one, as we just discussed, is to build up a trust in the team and res resilience in the relations of the team members. Um, uh, the manager should should facilitate, I guess, uh, or in my opinion, for an environment where there is is uh, everybody's feeling kind of safe and to build trust. Um, 
and it's okay to be vulnerable. How, uh, from a manager perspective, how 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 can um, how can manager influence to a positive culture development in the, the in the teams? From your perspective. Yeah, I think uh, from my experience, I've seen that the best managers uh, are, are uh, assembly A who are very vulnerable uh, and, and uh, can say share the experiences, both good and bad, with the team members. So that team members are able to give back their trust to the managers and, and the team really works as one single team uh, independent of the of the title of a manager. Uh, and I've, worked, I've seen this work both in the startup culture wherein the founder has a lot of heavy lifting to do in terms of uh, creating uh, a culture uh, of high performance. And especially in bad times, wherein you can say the founder has to raise a lot of money, uh, and and the and there's lack of trust between terms of what's happening uh, uh, in the company, whether it's why or not, it's important to be vulnerable and and uh, and, and share your feelings that we have this together, uh, and and we'll say sail through it. I think I've gone through a similar you can say instance uh, in my life, wherein I think my vulnerability and, um, and the fact that I placed a lot of trust in my employees uh, did very well for the morale of the team. Uh, and then we were able to uh, go together towards a singular vision for the company. That's uh, why so I definitely like being more vulnerable as a as a leader. And and I, I fully agree with both of you saying that the manager has a really important role in the team. But I want to take a different view. Uh, what I'm trying to my team actually it's I call it leadership bios. I want to go beyond this. Lead, being managers, but I want actually my team to be encouraged to see that in this team, we are all leaders. We need to start leading by ourselves and go beyond be, being a manager of the team. So, of course, as a manager, I have different uh, responsibilities on how I keep the team together. But as a lead, uh, leader, I go beyond that. Uh, and then as a manager, I need to lead the team with humbleness and with respect. I really feel that I'm the glue behind the team to, to just help them to grow. And um, actually my, my responsibility is there to, to be behind their ideas and let them to develop themselves. So I am, I'm, we, I'm really into this mode that, uh, you know, leading yourself, leading by all, and it will be an adaptive leader where you have to be exposed to a world where we don't know what's happening and learn as you go. This is this is me. This is my cultural change. I'm trying to put into place, um, and also recognize that I'm not a superwoman or a superman. Recognize my own, uh, in a way, incompetence. That I'm here to learn, and I'm here to sh hear what you're saying. I, I'm. I don't know everything. We are together in this team because we can move together the mountains, and I'm just here. You know, it's more like a. A thing aside that I need to do some things extra as a manager. So that's kind of my my cultural beliefs and how I lead my team and how my teams are leading their teams. That's great. I just uh, um, uh, and and um, uh, com you mentioned this uh, that all um, we are on a road to learn and and want to develop and that is also really really. Uh, important, I think, and also as a manager, a little to facilitate to to uh, uh, to get this uh, uh, culture of uh, of learning. And uh, we have Italia um, 
we have, of course, a lot of learning programs available for personal development, but and also competence development. But uh, but also in the in the sourcing and supply chain uh, organization where I'm part of, we also have a stream called uh, Let Talent Shine. Uh, that's an init initiative to engage, engage and motivate. Uh, and in in that stream is a is a talent opportunity pool. And with this uh, pool, the employees can find uh, smaller assignments uh, within uh, other teams, and uh, they can apply and uh, and grow and develop by <laughs> taking this task for a limited uh, period of time. And by that, challenge oneself in a new area and learn and develop new skills. So I think that is also <laughs> something that uh, at least uh, from a managed perspective to facilitate for those kind of uh, kind of things and and and, and jo job rotations and everything and that that will also keep keep up uh, engagement and good uh, good culture and motivation in the teams um, that's my opinion at least perfect thanks guys um anke we'll come to you next yeah, uh, so what I want to bring again in the discussion, maybe to share our experience, and of course, IKEA is pretty known by everyone, and everyone probably have heard that we have started a big digital transformation four years ago. And what I want to share, and actually open for dialogue, and uh, how have we tackled the transformation? What kind of a culture have we managed to create? Uh, what are my tips when you tackle this kind of transformation in big companies because IKEA it's an elephant, <laughs> it's a Titanic, sometimes we call it. And also what mistakes we have made and how we correct the course. So if I, then please, please jo join my thoughts. And just to say, when we started like four years ago, the transformation, we were a, a very big companies, mainly depending on a lot of suppliers, outsource, a waterfallish company. Uh, so we started this disruption uh, saying what is the company we want to believe to become and what are the things that we are believing in it. And of course, we were looking into becoming agile. We looked for a Spotify model. We want a DevOps culture. Uh, and, and of course, we needed to adapt it to our ways. But first thing that we had to do in the, to bring the people with us was, and I think it was very, very important is to, uh, I think you, Vipal, have said it's about the vision you have it, the vision how you take the people with you. Uh, and um, I think it's also important that you have a leader which briefs and thinks a vision and has a charisma to bring the people with you. And I think for me, this is kind of one of the things how we have tackled first what, how we as the leaders, we can embrace the change and we can take the people. The second, we were always looking, we had to build on our core values. IKEA is really, really, some people call it a set. We really have, we are very deep in our values. We have values that are our strength into what you build. So build on what we have, but also you have to take and Lucy, okay, we need to change things. What do we keep? What we, what we let go and what are we changing? So this is the things you need to evaluate when you start this cultural change. And um, in a way, dare to take risks. If we don't take risks, it's like you cannot really move forward because everything will be static. Um, so all these changes have been kind of really looking at 
where do we start? Should we start in small steps? Should we start in big steps? And this is something that we have done it in a different way. Probably everyone said start small steps as an agile, but actually we started you know, with a big movement. And that was uh, also maybe I can share my thoughts. It started that actually everyone was supposed to be transformed. It was like, I call it like a champagne, bo champagne bottle that you just turn it upside down and open it. So we found it in for a while in, oh my God, all our procedures, all our processes have gone. We need to change in a different way. We need to learn new things. How do we embrace these disruptions with curiosity? So that was kind of the, how we started the journey. And it was very tough. Uh, and it required a lot of patience uh, and a lot of you know, uh, resilience into moving the change. And working with the teams that, yes, we, we, we dare to disrupt. We have to embrace the transformation. We need to transform our mindset while we deliver. It's tough time. But it's a great thing. We want to adapt to our customer needs. We need to learn more. We need to bring innovation at IKEA. We need to never plan longer than three months. We need to, to look short term because we need to learn how to fail and adapt. So this is the things we have, how we tackle the transformation. And maybe I stop here to hear your questions or how you have done it. And then I move to my other thoughts. I, I can if I just can say a few words about the leadership, I think uh, because we also have great, uh, great transportation uh, here in in Telia, it's uh, it's uh, uh, it's a, re a really high uh, focus on the transformation, and and uh, I think what is uh, having a little focus on how to manage that, I think. Uh, uh, um, because there will be, I, I think the, you need to be aware of the the different stages that uh, that all the employees and the teams are going through such in such a, it's such such a process um and uh, i think what is very crucial and important and what we have been focused on is is to have um a, a, an available management to to ask questions and to be uh, to be um, uh, <laughs> available for 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 during such processes and perhaps even more available than in 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 kind of normal times um, and uh, so and and it's and also encourage it's better to communicate even though no not all the answers are there um, and uh, and and uh, that uh, that uh, that you can con communicate uh, during during transformation and changes and and uh, even though no you don't know the outcome uh, six or twelve or eighteen months from now. So, being more transform, um, more transformational leadership than the transactional kind of leadership, where you are more focusing on the day-to-day -day task and and uh, and and, uh, and the goals, but but being more this uh, 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 having having a more relational leadership. So. Uh, but of course, as you as you mentioned, to have this uh, to start off with this uh, mission and goals and clear uh, uh, and really really inspiring uh, in the beginning, so that everybody can be onboarded to the journey. That is of course really really crucial, and that is also also uh, what what has been done here in in Telia. Okay, should I move to my my next question and i want also to bring you now i'm looking backwards and say okay we have done four years have passed what have you have we created anything have we transformed and i want to also to hear your thoughts because now i 
I'm looking back and I'm, I'm actually quite proud of how, how much we have changed because I can feel that now the, we have a real uh, engineering culture. And when I call engineering culture, this is a culture where I can see we have uh, empowered the teams. We, we are really looking, we, we are in a product setup. So we are empowering each team to take their own decision. And we are looking into actually delaying the decision as late as possible and taken to the right level. So management is not involved in all the decision. And I'm, it's, it's a, it also, it's a culture where people are allowed to speak up and again, recognized for their achievements, but also for their mistakes. Uh, I also look, when I look at us, how we react, I see that we are still on the path to, to do a truly functional uh, cross-collaboration, cross-coordination between cross-functional teams. Because uh, this is what I call uh, bits over atoms versus atoms over bits, meaning you have to go away from what is your role about. It's all about how you collaborate to, to actually fulfill a goal that the company has. And you, you just forget about, you are just a small wheel in this whole big thing. So what are we doing together? And a lot of about data, database culture, database decisions. So we just don't have opinions. So, and then I'm, what I'm looking and we are not there. We are looking and actually I, I hear a very beautiful thing about how you align backlogs between teams in a culture. And it's a data-based backlog prioritization. So everything it should be based on the data on the measurement. Uh, also, I look at the, the cultural is like, we, we want, we have implemented a platter organization where we have a, a, a very humble and uh, leadership, where we, we call it, lead, as I said, leadership by all, where we are really engaging every employee in, in decision-making and growth and curiosity. We, I, I believe that at least in my team, we have a culture where we are looking at innovation with the curiosity. We want to boost the people capabilities and we want them to, to have this free spirit of, you know, trying things and failing. So, and actually also to, to be able to recognize when we are making mistakes and call it out or making sure that we can speak up when things are not correct. So how, how, how what did you see in your cultural change? What, where did you land in now after your transformations as a, of the culture when you grow from a small to a big team? Well, I think uh, for me personally, obviously I like the fact that uh, at IKEA, this is a lot of focus on key principles that led to the digital transformation being successful. I think first one you obviously mentioned that uh, every person is treated as a leader. I think I've, I've seen the same culture play at companies like Lana. Uh, and, and previously, uh, I was also working for Nordia Bank uh, in Stockholm. Uh, and, and they also went through a similar digital transformation process uh, to become much more agile, data-driven bank. Uh, and as one of the largest banks in Northern Europe. Uh, B is that I think the culture of uh, fail fast and learn uh, and then move is something which also uh, I've seen work extremely well uh, at large companies. I think sometimes uh, when you grow big as an organization, people are um, afraid to make mistakes because I think there's no incentive, uh, there's no incentive to make mistake to fail, uh, and that you can say reduces the scope for innovation, uh, which is critical to the organization's success. So by by encouraging, you can say people to to, to try and fail, and, and the fact that company will still have your back, and uh, and it will lead to, you can see, new learnings, which will lead to innovation, something which is very critical. 
I think, for example, I think Amazon always says that we are known more for our failures than our successes, but it's just that people don't know about our failures and all our successes have resulted from our past failures internally in terms of the bets we took uh, and the learnings that we had. Uh, so I think these are the key things uh, which I really liked uh, about what you said. Yeah, and thanks for sharing that. Talking... Yeah. yeah, sorry. No, no, I was thanks. just thinking, moving, since you talk, we talk about mistakes, I wanted actually to share what were our mistakes. <laughs> what have I learned yeah. and what I, how did we, where did we actually fail? And maybe you can come on there because what I think was our big mistake was we underestimate the culture change. Uh, you think that you go into transformation and it will take one year, two years. It takes years to transform a culture, especially in the big companies. So you have to have patience and you have to be resilient uh, because, you know, to, to change a traditional view of a company, is it can be intimidating. So you need to you need to be so perseverant that you move the needle while, you know, everyone wants to move back. The second thing that I can really say is that we in digital, we started a cultural transformation, but not in the whole company. So you need to have business, I call it business agility or business cultural change also. You cannot be just a cowboy in the digital and being seen as the naughty boy of the family or the black sheep of the family. So, and that also has to come from the top the CEO. It has to come as a company. And that's what I, we are still struggling. We are not there. I think this is the next step in the change. It has to be a business change of a culture, a cultural business change or a business agility. Then it's costly. I'm not sure how you see it, but it's not cheap to transform a company from a culture, one from a very static culture into a more engineering, dynamic and agile culture. Uh, yeah. And sometimes it's uh, overwhelming, overwhelming. Um, but one thing that I mean, I just remember, upskilling, because, you know, when you change a culture, you have a mass of force workforce, which is not really adapted to the new ways of working. How do you tackle the digital literacy, literacy in, the, in the company? How do you allow people to learn more and grow as we move? Uh, how, and how do you plan for it? So, yeah. Those are kind of my, our failures, our mistakes. We we had to tackle this <laughs> one by one because initially, for, ah, it's a very easy. We just just moving forward, but we found it is more complex than we think. Yeah, but I think that's that's good learnings, <laughs> and um, um, we have had uh, um, um, Delia Norway we have, uh, has has grown quite. Uh, quite uh, many times uh, also by acquiring also companies uh, and it has been uh, then having uh, uh, kind of cultures from the companies coming into into the to the previous company kind of and then then it's uh, that has been really really interesting uh, interesting uh, learning and it has been uh, 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 has been really really uh, then for a period of time to see uh, uh, being a little um, working uh, in par parallel and having kind of more uh, flexible uh, um, and uh, small kind of uh, culture and uh, things happens really, really fast in this uh, smaller company and more structure and more 
takes more lo- a longer time in the in the bigger part of the company. And uh, I think what has been over it takes time, as you say, and but uh, gradually it will be kind of finding the the best best part of each culture and try to merge a little. And I think that is uh, that is has been really uh, really interesting to see and also uh, being really interesting to be part of to see that uh, it it can happen and also that uh, culture culture are, are changing when there are are uh, new persons coming in and and um, and um, and uh, gradually uh, gradually also uh, it will be merged and 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 uh, the best part kind of stays at least uh, that is, that is my my experience but uh, uh, for some period of time, I've also uh, reflected upon that it's uh, uh, different, uh, kind of different or subcultures within the company when there are uh, big uh, 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 amount of persons uh, <laughs> coming into a company through acquirements or something like that. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Really enjoyed that. Um, what we'll do is we'll leave it there for today then. So this has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank Anker, Carl and Viber for providing their insights into the topic. And thanks to everyone for listening. If you'd like to get involved in one of our upcoming podcasts, reach out to me on LinkedIn or by email at daniel.mychek at evolution-nordics.com. And we'll see you next time. Cheers, guys.